0: I would say it's a a set piece motivated story that feels the need to shoehorn a redemption arc even when characters have not established any need for redemption. <laughs> it, it, it I don't even know if it's that.
1: Like it, it's literally the the simplest way to to say it would be like if two of the actors didn't want to be in the franchise anymore, and at the end of this movie they decided, no, Star Trek is fun. We should stay yeah. in the franchise. <laughs> that, maybe,
0: maybe that was the subtext.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 421 with a review of Star Trek Beyond. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Steven Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're gonna dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Uh, this week it's possible that one Carson Patrick might have found himself trapped in an alternate timeline. He's not available to record this episode right now, but uh, we're going to try to hold down the fort and
0: not have the uh, Enterprise get destroyed. <laughs>
1: so, how are you doing today, Stephen?
0: I'm doing fine. No weird flying things threatening to attack me yet, so I feel pretty good about myself. <laughs> yet, but the night is still
1: young, so uh, that could definitely um, that could definitely happen. And who knows, maybe, maybe from the alternate timeline... Uh, Carson might hear your opinion of this film and then
0: fling something at you through time. <laughs> Str-
1: Stranger things have
0: happened. Stranger things have happened. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right.
1: A little bit tired, but, uh, you know, may- may- maybe this lively discussion of this film, Star Trek Beyond, will be able to wake me from the whatever that I'm in
0: um, and help me spring, to, I don't know. So I do have to ask, are we talking over Sabotage right now? <laughs> I, think, I think that has to happen.
1: <laughs> Should it? <laughs> or maybe halfway through the episode, if Carson does drop in his thing, I'll just like start playing it and play it underneath him, like interrupting the conversation at hand uh, with him and the song. But, but no, I've, I was planning on starting with the uh, track 18 on the soundtrack, which is the Star Trek theme. So... But I mean, somewhere, I guess I could throw in sabotage.
0: I'm frightened that you knew the track number offhand.
1: Well, I, you know, before I, (laughs) before heading home, I decided to prep a few things for this episode. (laughs) Instead of waiting, like I always do, till I finally actually sit down to edit long after the fact, I figured, hey, I could get a head start on this episode. And so I just, I happened to have recorded the track.
0: (laughs) So good stuff. (laughs) Good stuff. Good banter. A plus. (laughs)
1: <laughs> what do you say we get in this episode, Stephen? I hear distress call out there.
0: To infinity and beyond.
1: <laughs> All right, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Star Trek Beyond and then come back and give you a review.
2: My dad joined Starfleet because he believed in it. I joined on a dare. You joined to see if you could live up to him. You spent all this time trying to be your father now you're wondering just what it means to be you. It isn't uncommon, you know. It's easy to get lost in the vastness of space. There's only yourself, your ship, your crew. You really want to head back out there, huh? What the hell is this? They're boarding us. Abandon ship!
1: My God.
0: I know
2: why you're here. Why we are all here. Our captain will come for us. Mercy will be the last thing on his mind. I am counting on it.
0: Fear of death is illogical.
1: Fear of death is what keeps us alive.
2: Everyone who goes there, he kills. That's our friends out there. We kind of just leave them behind. Unity is not your
1: strength. It is a weakness. I think you're underestimating humanity. Hold on to something! Fire will! Do it! Do it! Pardon me. So that was the trailer for Star Trek Beyond. Basically, the crew of the Enterprise is uh, entering a distress beacon that they have found in space near some weird nebula that makes it hard for other ships that aren't the Enterprise conveniently enough to go investigate. And uh, on their way there, they meet an enemy who is uh, very destructive, and they have to pull together and do their best to try to defeat them, him, people. Um, So... (laughs) Steven. Yep. What did you think of this film?
0: I am giving this an extremely middle of the road. It was fine. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't like I I don't know. It depends what I want to grade it on. Uh, so uh, we didn't do the usual preface. Uh, I don't know about yourself, but I am definitely not a trekkie uh, by any stretch of the imagination. <sighs> I'm I like Star Trek just fine. Uh I enjoy it. I've actually watched a good number of like the original episodes. I've watched the movies. Uh you know, they're they're nice. I get I get what they do. I can also tell that these newer movies, the J.J. J. Abrams ones are a completely different animal. <laughs> I think even even fans of them can agree that whatever they are, they do not really resemble what the Star Trek of the you know 60s or 70s or 80s looked like yeah i think this is much more of a big action flick set in space with characters that happen to be extremely similar to characters we knew before (laughs) Um, so you know by that criteria just just as an action movie i I thought it was a lot of fun like it's a i I don't know it's a big budget fairly thrilling movie uh, i think some sequences work better than others uh, i kind of felt like this movie goes too heavy too fast like they front-loaded a ton of giant action moments in the first maybe 15 minutes of the film yeah and i maybe it's because we saw this at like twelve forty five on a friday afternoon so I, <laughs> I i wasn't in the mindset to be like overwhelmed that quickly <laughs> so i i don't know i had a kind of weird reaction going in it didn't Ease me into the characters, so but like
1: you weren't prepared for the swarm
0: that is Star Trek Beyond. Yes, I was not prepared for the swarm, the multiple swarms thematically in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, so you know, it kind of brought me in with the the big the big action piece that didn't work for me. Sort of like Mission Impossible, which I think was a the last one, which I think was a a quite good movie, but that movie front loaded a massive action set piece and i feel like it was a little it didn't have the impact that it should have because i wasn't ready to appreciate it yet uh so i I kind of felt that here but you know the chris pine is a good lead actor he's engaging the characters play well off each other i like i've always enjoyed the casting of these movies i think you know spock is great uh i love anton yelchin's character even though he doesn't get a whole lot to do in this movie um it, it it's fun to watch them go but i don't know beyond that i just didn't get a whole lot out of this movie it didn't i didn't think it looked particularly new or original it kind of just felt like any given star wars or avatar or insert random sci-fi movie of the last few years um it didn't thematically i thought it it maybe bit off a little more than it could chew like they they have this big idea running through the movie of unity versus every man for himself. Or do you X, Y, or Z character want to continue what they're doing or do they want to give up and do something else? And none of that really tied together for me. I, I think uh, the main enemy in this film is a fun enemy to watch, but I did not find him psychologically engaging in the way that i think the better star trek movies manage to do it um so yeah i i don't really know how to assess it as an action movie it was completely fine fun blockbuster fluff but i definitely found it forgettable and not particularly exciting in any dimension yeah so um i
1: i I'm kind of a fan of of this this reboot of star trek um you know what i mean like i I grew up watching next Generation and Voyager with my dad, and uh I didn't really follow a lot of the other series um and I never had like the the world's strongest allegiance to anything. Um, but I, but I was a fan of, of, you know, Trek in general. Um, these reboots have been really fun for me. Um, I didn't care that they were like changing anything or splitting the timelines or doing anything like that because to me it was just fun and big. And, um, I mean, I, I, I think what it comes down to is I can, the the films, their numbering is the order of how much I like them, right? Like one, (laughs) two, three, like it's just a descending level of quality and, this film I, I i what i really like about what this series has been doing is, is it's really a story about um sir <laughs> i said series and siri came on um but uh so so the way i've been the way i see this this franchise is that you know like kirk is this untested captain right he never wanted to be captain he was sort of thrust in, in into captain hood and the What's compelling to me is this person who's untested and doesn't want to be there anyways gets in a situation where he's responsible for the lives of a lot of people and has to make decisions that could mean the end of their life. And that he kind of has to be supported by this crew who has to come to believe in him and he has to believe in himself and overcome the bad guys. And I really love these moments in the first two films where he sort of realizes that like, oh, f- i may have just doomed my my crew um spoilers for the last film um there's there's a scene in the trailers if you still haven't seen it and, and you're, you're listening to us talk about the third film and you haven't seen the second one there's a scene where you know he uh he's bringing his his crew in to go to go basically attack this guy and a ship warps in that is like 20 times the size of the Enterprise and he has this moment where he just kind of like looks at the rest of the crew and he's like sorry (laughs)
0: like
1: like, i'm sorry (laughs) like that's all he can say right because he knows that basically they're just and um the trailer for this film had a very similar thing like you know you see you see this swarm just wreaking havoc um on the enterprise and it's kind of insane that like this film just starts with that, right? <laughs> like this, mm-hmm. this, this, this isn't a situation where uh, Kirk is hotheaded, puts, puts the enterprise in a situation that maybe it shouldn't have been if he wasn't sort of, you know, doing his own thing or trying to prove something. Um, and instead it's just like a routine inspection of this area and then, oh shit, they get attacked. And And I kind of, that kind of saddened me a bit because this film doesn't really have uh it doesn't have a character um a character-motivated story. What it has is a set piece motivated story. This is a very, very episodic um installment in this series. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a a film that has its own arc that is supposed to be significant it feels like oh this is episode seven of this 13 episode season um where it's nothing really important is is happening in this episode it's really just a thing where characters have doubts about whether they want to do these missions at all and then by the end they realize that like hey this is like this is my crew and everybody's cool and we like going on adventures together and we're going to continue to go
0: on adventures, right? Yeah, It's the kind of struggle that could happen in every other episode and it would feel completely normal.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, that, like there's nothing that feels... Like, obviously, there's, there's situations where there is weight. Um, you know, like, characters are in danger and whatever. But it doesn't feel like... It doesn't feel like there's a narrative in this story that really has uh, weight for the galaxy, right? Um, it's just there's like it's like this is the it's literally a villain of the week thing and it's just like oh this this new powerful villain is here and let's fight him and then go on to the next episode and i mean like this film is entertaining right the the action set pieces are are freaking huge right there's Mm -hmm. there are just there are some scenes in this that are just insane like you're like okay i can see why you thought this would look cool because it does look cool but there's nothing in the story that makes it as cool as the visuals and i well i while i still love the the um the interactions between the characters and their their the way they play off each other and the relationships they have while that's fun and i enjoy those people this would not be that great of a space movie if it wasn't those characters right if it wasn't the right. characters that we had for two movies already you'd be like, oh, this is kind of a weak space movie with some pretty cool visuals. And that is sort of this film's biggest crime. Like, I I don't... I don't know, like, I, I want more. And I'm not going to give it the full argument of like, oh, you know, Star Trek is supposed to be about these really deep philosophical blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm fine with that not being the case in this version of Star Trek. But I just feel that I want... I want the mission to mean something before they go on it, right? <laughs> like, I, right. I I want them to be doing something that they feel is important, not, oh, shit, now we have to fend for our lives. Like, I, I, I want a real motivation before the events unfold, as opposed to just, yeah, I don't want to die, so let's get out of this mess.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you, you hit on basically my issue with it. And I... I don't know exactly if I would rank it 1 2 3 or 1 3 2. Like 2 also hasn't held up that well in my memory. Uh but movie number 1 The Joy of It for sure was being introduced to the characters and seeing just how well they're cast and how they, how they made their origin story, the kind of the delight of recognizing, "Oh my god, that's Scotty." Oh, oh, look how they got it. You, know, it, you know, it was just a lot of fun to be uh be reintroduced to all of these people. Um and then you hit that normal like sequel moment where, well, shit, now we need to tell a story. But it's okay because movie two can still kind of hinge on, look, this is the first time they're all going out and doing this. And they can still build kind of massive character moments out of it. But by movie three, it's like, well, we need to tell a story now. And it basically has to be a serializable, episodic-type story. <laughs> and yeah. that... Like maybe that is kind of fun in a more goofy way that is a little true to the series as a whole, but when these movies are only going to come around once every few years, it it, it just feels not impactful enough. Um,
1: well, it, it it's funny actually. Like as you were saying that, you kind of reminded me that this film opens with a monologue where Kirk is talking about how like he thought space would be really fun and awesome, and that that the Enterprise would get to go on all these great missions, but really they just go on these re- t- routine shitty missions across the galaxy to places that they've always been before and mm. um it's it's sort of it's sort of like the film itself is acknowledging that some of the stuff is just like retreads and little things that are unimportant and then we get taken through something that is in the grand scheme of things unimportant um i mean the there the dangers for large swaths of the federation are real but at the same time, like, the mission itself was super routine, and it just happened to encounter something that was big. Um, so, yeah, I, there's something weird about that for me.
0: Yeah, and, and it's strange for for a movie and a series that is very moral or theme-driven. Like, I, I feel like, again, I'm thinking classic Star Trek. They were, like, on your nose, straight-on-the-nose philosophical discussions and the things that would happen in the movie would directly mirror what they're trying to unpack and that was kind of like how how the episodic thing could stay fresh even when every single episode couldn't bring out a new life-threatening situation for each character yeah um and this movie i i felt like they tried to shoehorn it in like they have the monologues that bookend the film uh, they have some arcs that characters go on you you said this isn't a character motivated story it's a set piece motivated story. I would say it's a a set piece motivated story that feels the need to shoehorn a redemption arc even when characters have not established any need for redemption <laughs> um,
1: yeah yeah like like it's not even really redemption it's it's like really some characters want to not it, it's almost it's like Hail
0: caesar basically
1: <laughs> it, it, i don't even know if it's that like it, it's literally two like the the simplest way to to say it would be like if two of the actors didn't want to be in the franchise anymore and at the end of this movie they decided no star trek is fun we should stay yeah. in the franchise
0: <laughs> that, maybe maybe that was the subtext
1: like i don't know if that's true in real life but i mean that that, that's the equivalent of of the um the character driven part of the story it's like people like you know what i could probably do some other stuff that that would be better for me um and then by the end they're like
0: "Nah, we're buddies (laughs) I, i was trying to figure out what wasn't quite working for me in the film and i think so on the one hand there were undeniably fun action sequences um a musical moment toward the end in particular was, like, a very well-crafted moment that got a good rise out of the audience. But (laughs) I I don't want to spoil it because it's, like, the only thing worth spoiling in the movie. Yeah. Um, But even moments like that, one of of our uh, co-workers on the way back pointed out similarities to Guardians of the Galaxy, and it did kind of make me think even what I really enjoyed about this movie just felt like a less fresh version of what Guardians of the Galaxy is doing, like more of the fun, nostalgic, you know, (laughs) music video-esque space montage. Uh, And then I was thinking, even the plot of this movie, like the, I don't want to give away too much about the conclusion, but the the way things get resolved and the type of situation that they're encountering by the end is basically Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) yeah um which yeah, that, that's fine it's just uh when a movie like guardians of the galaxy i did not love it for its plot i loved it for its newness and freshness the the fact that the best parts of this movie still only felt like the plot of that other one I i, I don't know exactly what it says it feels like they didn't have a whole lot new to to put us through yeah, no, I, I
1: I totally agree. And and even I think th- one of the things that made the first in this series of reboots more fun is that that first one did kind of have more character-wise parallels to Guardians of the Galaxy, where it's like an untested crew who has to work together against odds that are greater than themselves to, to achieve a goal, right? Like that that is what this film was sort of missing, because like basically... Besides, like uh, you know, the (laughs) besides like the main three guys, everyone else sort of sits off on the periphery and doesn't really have time to do anything. And like this, this is really a a film of three characters. Um, So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think this film was just sort of a a misstep, and maybe they were rushing to get the next one out for whatever reason. But I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I would say the same. Uh, is it a spoiler, by the way, to say who the villain is in this movie, <laughs> like who the actor is? Yeah, yeah. Was that was that a known entity going in? I I don't. I mean, I I okay, w- I, I won't ruin it. All all I'll say is I felt that uh, I enjoyed the villain before they made any revelations about him more than I did after. Yeah, I mean, I. I would say it's not, but
1: one person in our theater sure thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that made me laugh pretty hard when that guy just yelled out the actor's name.
0: Be- best moment of the movie, <laughs> and and I don't I don't want to have this review kind of come off as last week's Ghostbusters review did, where it was really like nobody was into it. People were just kind of like. It, it wasn't fun to make fun of it, but that didn't mean anyone particularly enjoyed it this time, sitting in the theater, i I enjoyed it just fine for like a two-hour waste of a Friday afternoon. like yeah, that it was completely fine for that. It was fun. If, if I had to sit through it again, I wouldn't be angry, I wouldn't be bored out of my mind. like it, It's a fun movie. It just didn't do very much. Yeah, it,
1: it's, it's big, dumb fun. Well, should we uh, potentially check in with Carson if he's dropped an audio clip in the uh, old Magic Space folder?
0: Carson? (laughs) Carson?
2: Okay, so Star Trek Beyond, or Star Trek Beyond, B-E-Y-A-W-N-D, (laughs) ha, ha, (laughs) ha, Strong start, um... Well, Star Trek Beyond, uh, I went into this new Star Trek not expecting all that much, and, you know, I was just looking for a fun time, but, uh, boy, was I wrong. Uh, this is one lousy movie. Uh, it's boring, lethargic, pointless, and even more creatively inept than Star Trek Into Darkness. I mean, I'll take Star Trek Into Darkness any day over this, um beyond this beyond Star Trek Beyond was definitely in need of that JJ energy I mean JJ directed the hell out of Into Darkness I think to distract everyone from the fact that it was a seriously lame redo of Wrath of Khan uh, but he made it watchable and you know his classical Spielbergian shooting style uh, works and has defined this series really well and now this time around Justin Lin steps in as director uh, and it's very noticeably different uh, it's darkly lit and the action sequences are all shaky cam which is no fun uh, I couldn't see shit it was, it was truly bad uh, the, the scene one scene in particular uh, was where the Enterprise is attacked that was a mess uh, and then a later scene the, uh, involving Kirk and Chekhov, and they're sliding down the wreckage of the Enterprise at night in close up with Shaky Cam that was the worst um, I didn't like any of Lin's Fast and Furious movies, he's kind of like uh, the Russo brothers where they're universally beloved uh, and I get it but it's not my bag you know, it's too Blancor for me uh, side note though direct an episode of Community and get street cred for life? Question mark thinking face emoji uh anyway um, better luck tomorrow is still awesome though and I'd like to see Lin make another movie like that again uh but anyway there's not much not much else to say other than the decision to split up the crew wasn't great uh Chekov, Sulu, and Yahura had zero screen time and Idris Elba's villain while cool looking had nothing to do uh, there was a lot of nothing going on here. You know, it's one of those... It's another example of squeezing all your lemons and barely getting a drop of lemonade uh, that we, I seem to be mentioning a lot this summer. There's been a lot of blockbusters that have uh, felt like that for sure. Um, and like the... Another thing that I think is a current trend this summer is that every blockbuster feels like a deleted scene like every one of these movies feels like you know there's way more on the cutting room floor or everything that is there feels like stuff that was cobbled together from the cutting room floor so um also there were only like three locations in this movie one the enterprise two uh the idris elba planet where they crash land on And then three, the city planet, which I think was called Yorktown, if I remember correctly. But, I mean, the scope was so small compared to the other two. And for the fact that, you know, this movie cost $185 million. um, You know, and I know a lot of people online have been favorably comparing this to an episode of the original series. But, you know, it all felt like filler, to me, uh, I mean it really did, um, and it was pretty much DOA. And, and like I said, it's kind of going back to that whole whole thing where it felt like just a deleted scene. Um, so anyway, yeah, lots of nothing. That's what, you know just felt like nothing. Um, so anyway, must avoid. I think uh, the only thing that's marginally saving this movie is the cast. Um, I I still love this this reboot cast I think they're so good and they're so well cast and um, it's disappointing that it started off so strongly and promisingly and then it's nosedive so quickly so I hope they can steer the course and deliver uh, a solid film worthy of the first reboot uh, for the next one but this one Star Trek Beyond must avoid
1: all right, so Carson may or may not have just given us his thoughts on the film. So uh, if he did, then it
0: was weird when he revealed that he was gay. By the way, I don't, I don't know why he thought he had to shoehorn that into this this review. Like it didn't add anything to the review. It didn't.
1: <laughs> he just he just really needed to get that out. Um, um, no, but in all seriousness, <laughs> um, he, he may or may not have a clip in there. But uh, yeah i mean do you do you have any last thoughts about the film um steven
0: ah i I don't know the sulu stuff was fine but it felt kind of kind of weak and toothless to me (laughs) yeah like like for all the controversy surrounding it one could easily watch the movie and not even know what the subtext was that they were trying to bring out yeah yeah. i mean i i
1: didn't even think two thoughts about it when it happened until i heard other people talking about it. i'm like oh yeah there you go <laughs> uh,
0: and the the other thought and this in a movie where clearly there are plot holes and other maybe bigger issues the thing that annoyed me thematically is that the one like dichotomy they draw in the movie is between power and numbers versus every man for himself and the enemy who represents every man for himself is the one who has a fucking swarm that he fights with <laughs> of many small things working together to achieve a goal. Yeah. And that, for some reason, that actually annoyed me. Like, I d- I, I just didn't understand why that would be his mode of operation. Yeah,
1: th- that, that would be the the sort of thing where, like, if you were a character in the film and you were like Scotty, you would probably mention that to the bad guy. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> but... Like, they basically prove... His point in the coolest scene of the movie, <laughs> yeah, that alliances are not always as stable as you want them to be. Yeah. Anyway, minor complaint. Also, I wish said actor was not always typecast in animalistic villain roles. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> starting to feel like a problem.
1: Hey, he was. Uh, he is. He's. He's a good guy in uh, the Thor films. Okay. If uh, if that's not too much of a spoiler.
0: <laughs> hey, it could be anyone.
1: Yeah, it could be anybody in the Thor films. could be Thor.
0: I- I'm literally not going to narrow it down at all by saying he's a bad guy in The Wire. <laughs> because apparently <laughs> everyone in movies is a bad guy in The Wire now.
1: Uh, one of these days, you know, I'll still, I'll actually watch The Wire. <laughs> but I think um, maybe it might be time for us to get into our verdicts for this film so, Stephen, if you're going to give us a must-see, a record with the caveat, a wait-for-rental pass with the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it?
0: Wait for rental. It's it's a rental, <laughs> end of story. Yeah, I mean it,
1: it's def it's definitely a wait for rental. Um, I, I mean, there are <laughs> some of those uh, swarm-related scenes are pretty impressive uh, visually. So if you can like sneak into a theater while you're seeing something else, just to watch those scenes, uh, it's pretty rad. I I'm, I'm actually kind of curious what that scene looks like on that weird three screen, um, presentation that they're doing in like six locations in the country. It
0: looks the same, but with two lines drawn <laughs> drawn in it. <laughs> exactly.
1: No, but I mean, I it's those are impressive scenes that look really really cool. Um, so I'm I'm just curious to see what how I'm. Much more impressive it would look to see it like that um, but but yeah, I mean, this is a solid wait frontal um obviously the, the the big question stephen is uh will will you be at least mildly excited for a fourth film
0: i mean i don 't know that I was mildly excited for the third film, but, but my excitement isn 't going down at all they the, It was a fine filler movie, I just hope it 's a filler for something cool to come next yeah i mean i i, I i'm I mean, I, I, I'm
1: we're already going to have like a Star Wars a year, a Marvel film every month. Um, you know, we're basically we're getting these repeat things. I am, I'm fine having a Star Trek every year, a Mission Impossible every year, a Jack Reacher every year,
0: um, a fast film every year. So like, here's what 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 kind of worries me about this trend is with with these pre existing franchises like Star Trek or Star Wars. Clearly the episodic isn't doing it for me. Like I want each movie to do something unique and original. And I'm afraid what that's going to mean is in order to stay interesting, every movie is going to have to have absurd stakes and shake the foundations of the franchise. <laughs> like like I, I don't know I don't know how I feel about movie franchises continuing <laughs> year after year for so long. I feel like they kind of run out of possible moves they can make after a while.
1: Well, see, that's why I think that like if y- I think you can pare it down and make it truly episodic to where maybe you don't try to go for such a grand thing, but you just try to de- deliver a solid minor plot and have it be something that gets you excited just to spend time with the characters. I mean, I I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're living in a world where I I want traditional movies to go away and have everything be like a mini series on hbo but maybe you still go to the theater to see it but you know you you buy a ticket for three films right that are played a week apart and they all do one large narrative um i don't know some some i i i like episodic content um but you can still have self-contained episodic content but just make it i don't know
0: yeah i just think it, there's something about 45 to 60 minutes that are perfect for episodic content to not go stale. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about two and a half hour episodes of, of things.
1: Yeah. I feel you. We'll see. All right. Well, uh, Stephen, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that?
0: Uh, they can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com.
1: People can find me at Christopher or twitter.com slash Christopher RL. You can find the podcast over at the TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoil warning or like us at facebook.com slash the warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at the com. You can use the contact form on our site, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760 TSW. That's 760-575-4879 music for the soundtrack music for this film music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to the film that we reviewed and that is Star Trek um so you're probably going to have some combination of the actual Star Trek theme um you know sabotage or maybe even an inclusion of the Rihanna song <laughs>
0: just mashed all together just back and forth
1: um but uh yeah that is this review thank you for joining me Steven
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you guys all for listening. And uh, we're going to go boldly go off and do whatever we do at night. And you guys, hopefully, we'll see you
0: next week. Live long and bye. (laughs) (laughs) Live long and podcast. (laughs)